0: gloomy, mostly Euclidean confines of Castle Gormagon, upon the lofty wind-blasted heights of the Plateau of Lang. I am Confucius the Ecumenical Volgi, and this is Radio Gormagon. Welcome back to the second part of our episode that seems to be meandering around a bit. The Mandarin, and I, Gorti have convinced Pewter to stop his grenade fishing, and we've moved into a small, nondescript room in the village, just outside the castle, to finish our conversation. We'll continue talking about polarizing groups, dive into some academics, and even touch on what we did for vacations this summer.
1: Where am I? In the village. What do you want? Information. Whose side are you on? That would be telling. We want information, information, information. You won't get it.
2: By hook or by crook, we will. You know, I, I love this. I don't love it. I should say it that way. This thread's that's going around right now about this whole thing about Iceland's going to eliminate Down syndrome. And, you know, you hear these people on on, the, on Twitter, oh, this is great. Well, it's not like they found a cure for it. They're basically, you know, it's the eugenics movement. They're going to yeah. use eugenics to wipe these people out. It's a Nazi movement. But somehow because it's it's abortion, a sacrament to the left, somehow they're able not to, to see past that. You know, you're not eliminating the disease, you're eliminating the people. The disease will still be coming back. You're just basically murdering people at this point. It's, it's a court.
1: Yeah. No. I, if we're gonna, I talk, that's a good transition. I mean, but you're right. I mean, I agree that the left does tend to make a quote sacrament out of, of of abortion. It's it's a it's a touchstone. You you can't run for office if you're on if you're a Democrat or on the left unless you're pro pro choice. I'm gonna be polite here, but pro choice. But it's intriguing because there's all kinds of gradations of pro choice. I mean, there are some arguments for abortion that I find less, far less morally abhorrent, although I find the whole thing morally abhorrent, than others. There's a difference between the Planned Parenthood argument, which is abortion on demand up until the baby comes out of the canal, until the baby's head comes out of the birth canal. I mean, and, and this girl was raped, and it's a week and a half after she was raped, and, you know, do I, I think that's evil? yeah. Yes. It's sort of a yes, but the, do I think the Planned Parenthood position is evil? Yes. I mean, there's, there's no doubt in my mind on that one. You know, and it's, it's just one of those things where, where the argument becomes boiled down to either you're with us or you're against us, and there's no room for Gray. And I think I said that today on an Eric Holder tweet where he said something along the lines of, you got to pick a side. And I'm going, yeah, but, you know, I was like, what the hell kind of lawyer are you? You know, you were the the highest lawyer in the land, and you can't friggin' see gray area on stuff. You're a guy that friggin' gave guns. You know, you signed off on giving guns to cartels, you know, Mexican cartels that actually ended up shooting border patrol agents and ICE, ICE people and I think DEA agents. They ended up killing people with the guns that you gave to them. And I'm going, you don't see any gray areas? Look, abortion to me is pretty much clear cut. You know, what? I fault, I fault, quote, my side of the argument for not being able to look at the, to look at the other side and say, most of you aren't crazy. We just disagree. Can we go with science here? Because Europe's abortion laws are far more restrictive than ours, and they're like way pro-science. You know, we have abortion on demand for any reason. You know, we're one of like, I think, four countries, China, Russia, us, and North Korea, where you can pretty much, I'm going to say this in a his poor way, but get rid of a kid at any time you want for any reason, up until it's born. You know, most other countries don't allow you to do it because they find it inhuman. You know, if freaking Denmark finds it inhuman, you know, you want to talk about a godless country, you know, pick one in Europe. They're pretty much all godless at this point. They find it inhuman, then we're doing something wrong here. And there there is some gray area in all of these things. I mean, and even if you if you even if you think it's a black and white issue. We should believe in incrementalism. If you are moving your cause closer to—and this is my problem with the Republican Party these days—and by Republican Party I mean whatever friggin' passes for it these days, because it's fractured as hell—they don't believe in incrementalism anymore. And the Democrats do this much better than we do. When they're in power, they just—they just move two steps ahead, and they get pushed one step back, they move three steps ahead. So they—they always end up advancing their position. And we need to say, look, we think abortion should be—you know—it's awful, it's murder, all that stuff. But if we can move it back towards, you know, if we can reduce the number of abortions, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing to vote for an abortion law that restricts it, that makes it less horrible. It's not a bad thing to vote for a, pick, pick whatever you want to do, you know, a sentencing law that makes it less harsh on minorities just because their minorities are poor or whatever. There's incrementalism and shades of gray, and nobody wants to see that anymore. And again, it comes back to, critical thinking and a classical liberal arts education, which I know Gord had because they even made you write at your big, big fancy engineering school, right? Yeah. You had to learn to write technically and, you know, although you already knew how to, because you went to St. <laughs> Jesuit school, but there's <laughs> yeah. that type of thing. I mean, it's, you need to be trained in a lot of different aspects. I'm lousy at math. I have a passing familiarity with mathematical <laughs> concepts. I know what I don't know in mathematics the people that are dangerous are the people who don't know what they don't know. And that, to me, seems to be much more prevalent on the left and the far right. They don't know what they don't know. They don't understand history. They've never read a book on history. Like, they don't, they've don't, they never understood their history classes. They don't understand American society. They, they haven't read the Constitution. They don't understand how it all works together. And it's just, it's facile to them. They just say, well, it must be this way because I think it's this way. So
0: that's, or that's, or I've been told it's this way. Exactly, and I'm not going to apply any critical thinking to really question that. I
1: think, and I have seen it with my kids less so in the Jesuit school, but the, but they don't have to write as much as we ever did. We wrote all the time, and it was handwritten. So handwriting, and they've done studies on this. I've heard it. God forbid, in NPR on my way into work. You know, but if you if you handwrite. You retain more when you take notes than if you just type it out because you're, if you type well, you're just literally transcribing, which never processes in your brain. If you're handwriting, it's a lot slower. So it takes time to process. You're only writing down the most important stuff. You're jotting notes to yourself to remind you later. Well, you're,
0: you're buffering those thoughts in your head. So you're. You're reinforcing it there.
1: Your IT that words works. mean nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I understand the concept, but yes, I, I, I tend to agree with that. You're actually thinking of your, your low level processing them before you spit them back out on the paper, you're like, okay, this is important. This isn't, but you're not fully processing them at a higher level. You're not using all your, I don't know, whatever. You're not using all your computing ability to deal with it. You're just processing out and saying okay important word not important 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 concept and, and there's less of that now and, and all our papers used to be handwritten I mean I remember in grade school I don't know about Gord I mean he, you went to a Catholic grade school as well we had to hand write all our papers and they had to be right I mean you didn't get to it I mean it, you they better be looking good I mean I don't know did you, Mandy Did you go to a Catholic grade school or
2: oh, oh yeah and, and and liquid paper was was the um Savior and bane of our existence, because the nuns did not care for that.
1: (laughs) No, no, they – my sister – here's a good story. So my sister had a nun in first grade, Sister Boniface, and she cut all the erasers off the kids' pencils in first grade because they weren't allowed to make mistakes, and assigned them all numbers. She referred to the kids by numbers. Like, my sister's number was 12, and she chose that as her basketball number at a public school when she went to high school – So she chose that number because that was her number. She was number 12. You are number six. I am not a number.
2: I am a free man. (laughs) (laughs) But but you know, you talk about uh, that. That. Reinforcement. I know when we were kids in you know Catholic school. you did something wrong. It was go home and write a 500 word essay. What what you did wrong? What your why you want you know repent? Or write this sentence you know 100 times on the chalkboard. Trust me, it had an effect. I didn't want to do this for 100 times. You know, but you know
1: improper improper yeah. cursive. Yeah. Or, or they'd lay hands on you and not, not in a good way and not in a yeah. molesty way. But like in a physical way, like you knew that you were in trouble because they grab you by the collar or the tie, and you knew you were in trouble. Yeah. And you know, some of some of that discipline, I think, was over the top and too much. And it certainly was in my, in my parents' generation, and I'm sure your yeah, both of your parents' generations as well. But there's a place for that sort of physical discipline of the kids, where they know who's boss and they know that they're there for one purpose. Now I don't think that they get that they're there for one purpose. And I think we lose some of the critical thinking skills because I know some teachers and they get flack when they, when they correct the kid's writing and they correct the kid's grammar and they correct the kid's punctuation because they're like, well, this is an English class. And the teachers are like, I don't give I sh- I don't give a darn, you know, you've got to get this right because you have to go out in the world and work for somebody like Gork or me or Mandy or God forbid, Czar you know, you know, and it's one of those things where I don't care if you can't write a coherent letter. You, you're of no use to me. I've had to teach college graduate kids how to write a friggin' business letter. Like yep. literally, sit them down and say, "Who are you writing to?" Okay, I'm writing this. Okay, that's the salutation. You know, and what do you want to tell them? Well, I want you know. Well, I want to tell. No, 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 no. What's your purpose for writing this letter? Well, I need to know X. Okay, so that should be your you know your second sentence. Hi, I'm X from Y Company. I need this from you. Oh, okay. And then you tell them why you need it. And then you give them a date by which you need it. And then you say, thank you very much. You know, sincerely, employee Z. You know, it, they can't, it was, I was getting incoherent shit that was like three pages long. And I would I would cut it up and I'd hand it back, they call it the wounded polar bear. but I'd throw the stuff back on their desk and they'd get upset with me. And I'm going, uh, there's the door. <laughs> I said, you can walk right this door now, because I can find somebody to sit in your seat, you know, I, you know, I, and I'd call them in and I'd say, look, here's the, I don't hate you. You just need to learn to write a letter in a professional manner. You can't do that now. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just saying you need to learn to do this because you never learned it and you're smart enough to do it. So just do it. The people that I get pissed off at are the people who continue to fight me on it. And I'd be like, okay, then I don't have time for you. And I'd never here's, give them another job.
0: So here's an experiment to try and and I recommend it to try it with your kids and, and then try it with others. But pick a relatively simple book that we all know. War and Peace? No. <laughs> not War and Peace. Anna Karenina? But, no, something like Huckleberry Finn or... That's Huckador. not a simple book.
2: <laughs> Get it while you still can.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's a good point. Um, or even simpler. Great like, Gatsby? Little Prince. Oh, please shoot me. <laughs>
2: Green Eggs and Ham? <laughs>
0: There you go. Green eggs and ham. Green eggs Ask and ham. Ask your mom. kid to summarize the book in like one or two sentences. And Give a Twitter summary of it. Right. And I bet they can't do it. Because that's it's again, it's a critical thinking skill that we have that the schools I will put the square away on the schools, have have failed to teach anymore.
1: The teachers don't know how to do it. <laughs> That's, I mean, I hate to say it. That's the dirty secret. I mean, if you, they, they do studies, there's some exceptional teachers in public schools and in Catholic schools, just exceptional teachers. There are a whole ton of bad teachers in those schools, and they tend to congregate in the, in the lower economic. You know, Chicago's got crap teachers. The city of Chicago, my guess is they've got crap teachers in a very strong union because they've got crap teachers. And you know, who suffers for that? We they all did. do. Well, we all do, but the kids suffer the most. I mean, I I was ranting about this in D.C. years and years and years ago because we've, you know, Gorton and I have seen generation after generation of inner-city D.C. kids thrown under the bus, and Congress can't manage to friggin', they actually finally did, but to renew the voucher program, I believe, to get some of those kids to be able to go to better schools or schools, not even better schools, schools their parents chose for them. You know, it would be so much better off if they could choose the schools they want to because the parents would have more buy-in to it and they, they would be able to get rid of the teachers. But so many of the teachers are unable to teach the skills that the kids need at higher levels to, to do what they're going to need to do in the real world, even in manufacturing these days. So.
2: It sounds like sleestack is in the world. But, um.
1: It could be stack <laughs> or it could be my wife going to the ice maker.
2: <laughs> but, you know, he... Like like I said, a critical thing in writing. The problem is, you know, when you and I sit down to write a, a business letter, or we sit down and write something for the for the website. You know, you sit down, you think your argument through, you formulate that argument. You may go through a draft or two. You know, it's again, it's not just a vomiting of consciousness. Um, have, I mean, um, have you read? Oh, come on now, um,
1: some, um, <laughs> Have you read posts?
2: <laughs> well,
1: I really could use some editing. I've got
2: five of us, maybe, <laughs> but. <laughs> But you know the kids. I mean, the the, the phone here is is that basically stream of conscious. So everything that comes out, again, just like they're getting instant information in, they're vomiting inf- instant information out, and it's all you know, coded. It's it's half sentences. The kids understand it. They you all know, the acronyms, the the, the little cheat codes they use for it, whatever you want to call it. God, I'm so old. i on a wireless device here, you know.
1: <laughs> but it's my it, newfangled talkie box that yeah, goes without it,
2: the wires. Yeah, exactly. But. Yeah, Again, I mean, I don't fault the technology. You know, it, it's a way to communicate. Someone needs to regulate that, though. And I don't mean the government needs to come in and, you know, that kind of regulation. You know, we talked about discipline before. And I don't think kids today have discipline. And it's not because – I don't mean discipline like a nun knocking out of the chair. I mean self-discipline to do certain things. And I think part of it is a lot of the parents are so helicopter-ish – and do everything for their children because nobody wants to hear their children be, you know, suffer through adversity. No one wants to see, you know, I didn't get this as a kid. I want to make sure you have everything I didn't have as a kid. And again, we coddle these children. We, we, we isolate them. And the end result is, and going back to what we talked about before, we create a class of the permanently offended, perpetually offended. You know, everything's going to trigger them because no one's ever confronted them. No one's ever told them, you know, Johnny, that you really do suck. Because the reason why you're not playing baseball is because you can't catch the goddamn ball. You know, here's an idea. You got that because you wrote a paper. To, you know, it's horseshit. You know, let, let's you know call it what it is.
0: And I think one of the things we've been dancing around here the last few minutes is it's kind of a pet theory of mine. But as much as I love and embrace, and I think it really helps us. You know, there's a certain lack of a better term culpability that technology has in this and the advancement. Right? It is very easy for the millennial generation now to share stuff in. 140 characters on Twitter or some Instagram post uh, with very little context and, and very little insight into it. Drives me crazy at work. And, and the people that work for me know this. Do not forward me an email that's just a link. Like, here's this story. Like, tell me why I should care about it. Tell me what does this make? Like, I will hit delete and not even read it. Just almost out of spite. And if I'm really in a bad mood, I will go over to that person and go, dude, you got to give me some context on this stuff because just send me a link about why, I don't know, Amazon is doing something with their cloud computing, something like that. Like, that's great. There's a ton of shit happening in this world and a single link doesn't do much for me. And, And I do my own reading and I have a bunch of things that I source and podcasts I listen to. Shooting me a link doesn't matter. So I wonder if... Um You know, back to my theory, I wonder if the combination of the technology and kind of what we were saying of the press 's uh current um focus and and you think of it you know the mandy said it it's it's they kind of put this this lens that we look through it as he was saying as we look at history right if if we 're putting lenses on these incidents at down in Charlottesville or at somewhere else and it gets blown into such proportion that that becomes we we perceive it as being so much bigger now, and and there's no critical thinking applied to it. I I think the millennial generation falls for that much easier.
2: They don't have time to think about it because it, it, <laughs> well, and, and I'm being funny. Like you said, you, you get a a Twitter storm that goes you know goes out. You get Facebook. You get you've got. The internet. There's no time to decompress. It's one story to the next, one story to the next. And nobody takes the time to think about what's being said. Like you said, it's, it's snippet headline. You know, whatever that headline said, that's the news story. Don't bother to read down three you know, lines into it or three paragraphs into it where it says, well, that's not really what happened. But that's all I see is, you know, you know woman gives birth to bad boy or what, you know, whatever. It, it's that goofy, you know, those, those things that happen. And again, these kids don't get a chance to compress. I don't think that, he, again, these, our kids aren't stupid. They are, they, some of these kids are very, very bright. They just don't take the time to stop, think, and, and analyze. And in some ways, they don't have the time to do it, not because they're over; they're busy. It's just that there's so much flooding in now. You know, when we were kids, you had the, the, the 5 o'clock local news or 6 o'clock, for you, you, you East Coast guys. And then, you know, it was the 7 o'clock world news came out for a half hour. And then maybe you saw the newspaper the next morning. And maybe you, if you're lucky, you caught the midday edition with the updated headline. But you weren't we had,
0: in a day. we had three major channels. Exactly. And that was it.
2: <laughs> now, I mean, you you can go from 24 hours a day and not be able to keep up with everything. Even if it was just stuff you were interested in, your side of the argument, you couldn't keep up with everything that's written. There's so many sites out there. And again, that's people so, don't, don't stop that. to think. And I think that's the part of the problem, too, is they start to get into this mode of thinking that what's ever there has got to be true because this got retweeted a thousand times or you know, it's got a million likes on Facebook. It's got to be true. But you know, if we're all stupid enough to hit like right away, it doesn't mean it's right. It just means we didn't bother to read many three you know, sentences into the actual story to realize, oh, that's not my position at all or that, that, that's totally contradictory to what I, what I think. But again, we are so overwhelmed. And again, it's not an excuse. I'm not trying to make an excuse for these people. But I think a lot of, of that reason. comes into it. Yeah,
1: and I, I agree. And some of it is that Yeah, pewter, you can't do math because you suck at math. And I was actually told that at unnamed Jesuit school, but I was, I tried to get into calculus, you know, and I had passed pre-calculus. I think I had a B-minus maybe, and they had one class of calculus. That was it. I mean, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in the, the Gort and Volga track, you know, where they were well advanced. I mean, I was looking to go into calculus as a senior, I think, and they just looked at me and said, no. And I said, Why? And they said because you're not good enough, and we only got 30 spots. And I said, okay, fair. And I, I walked away, you know, because I knew it. I wasn't good enough to be in that class. Could I? Could I have learned calculus? At that point, maybe, you know. But today, sure, you know. But then, I don't think I was ready for it. And they were right to say no, you know. They had to put the kid in a lifeboat, quote lifeboat that they could put in a lifeboat. And there's there's some there's some value to being told no, at an age appropriate point in your life, you know where where you can deal with it and learn to deal with the adversity and then just say, okay, you know, well, I wasn't good enough for that. Either I, I natively not good enough for that, or I need to work harder at it because I am good enough to do it. If I work harder, you know, maybe I'm not going to be the best, but I can certainly do it. And I think a lot of kids aren't told that I know in our school district that the parents get to choose the kids that go into the honors classes. So they'll expand the honors classes to, to meet kids that should never in a million years be in an honors class. Honors chemistry, honors algebra two trig, or actually it's just, I think it's just algebra two now. They don't even teach trig anymore
0: in New York. So so this is, this probably will, you know, I'll mention this briefly because it could take this whole conversation sideways, but I'm in the midst of writing a letter. Yes. I know how to properly write a letter uh, to the head of the school that my, that two of three just graduated from uh, that my oldest went to um, regarding the AP classes at the school, they all scored. My daughters both scored very well in these classes, A's and maybe like a B-plus in in one of the harder ones. And uh, they faced, with with some exceptions, they got into some of these AP. They each took four APs um, over their course there. And they have some where they've scored a, well, one scored a one in AP Latin and then another one scored a 2 in
1: one of your one of your kids. Yeah. A yeah. 1.
0: A 1. Now, in AP Latin, admittedly, I scored a 1 in AP Spanish. No. Yes.
1: You never told me that. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. No. I thought you were all fours and fives.
0: The rest were all fours and fives. Dummy.
2: <laughs> <It's funny. laughs>
0: <laughs> I had to help the bell curve of the that's, distribution. That's Do you true. You know that that all the AP is out there that you can look at it by state, by gender, to and by Race. course. That Race? You can, uh, yes. Really? Yes. Interesting. Uh, that you can see the distribution. You can see how many kids, and they'll tell you, 318 kids scored a five in AP Calculus AB in New York, and they give you the whole breakdown of it. And there are some that, that and this is my point to the head of school, is there's a distribution, and I would argue that that if you have A's in the class, then you should be at the top end of the distribution in the exam. When those don't line up, there's something wrong there. And and my point to her is going to be, what is that telling colleges when they look at that high school for their students that they're pushing forward?
1: It's it's teaching them to to treat their grades as not worthy. I know that the high school we went to And I didn't know it at the time, but I'm pretty sure that most of the colleges that looked at the scores that we were getting coming out of our high school knew damn well that they were significantly better than most of the other schools in the area because they graded hard. I mean, it was, I think, you know, we were graded A A to F, basically. I think it wasn't on a four point.
0: Uh, It was A to F. We had no plus minus except for the semester grade. That's right. And the, but we got, they were weighted. So if you took an AP, you got
1: a one, an extra one, you know, so you got an extra grade on top of it. Yeah. yeah. And if you took an honors it was an extra half grade, Yep. but it, yeah, you're right. I mean, if, if your grades don't line up and I remember our AP Latin, my AP Latin teacher, cause the year I took AP Latin, I think there were 15 to 20 kids in the class and I've got some great stories about the AP Latin class that I'll tell later because our AP Latin teacher is now deceased, but I got a three. Which is the highest grade in the class on the AP? A kid that was a very good basketball player who went to Princeton got a three, and everybody else was like, I think there were like four twos and the rest were ones. Mm-hmm. And they, he he got pulled in. Our AP Latin teacher got pulled in. I think that year and was told you better start freaking teaching. And he had been there forever. And they said you better start teaching or you're out. You know. And he did. And apparently the Latin scores rose after that. And it was it was it was a good deal. You know. I but I don't know. It was. AP scores, they, they should match the grades you're getting. Like if your kids aren't good enough, especially at a private school where where Gort's oldest went and Gord's second oldest went, it's one of those things where they should match up. If they don't match up, you're not doing something right. Or at least well, be close.
0: Yeah, or have the conversation that you were just... And, and this is where I teed off the conversation was your point of, or tell the kid, you can't cut it. You're not going to do well in the class. That's... Now... I know we all can point at parents who will absolutely flip out and go, well, A, I'm paying for this school. So if my daughter or son wants to take this class, they're going to take that class, which is a load of crap. Like, you'll because, never- because where we grew up and where you
1: live now, I mean, they could fill that spot very easily the next day. They could get a better kid in there and say, you got a scholarship and you can come in and you can take this class and you will do better than this. I mean, that's a load of garbage. I, if I was the headmaster, or headmistress, I would just look at them and go. There's the door. Get
0: out. Right. But these days now people are afraid of offending people and you know, all the backlash that comes with it. It's just, sad. that's why you
1: need me. Cause I'll put my law degree on the wall and I'll just say, there it is. <laughs> Bring it. You want to sue? Bring it. Cause I can do this all day for free. I'm getting paid the same, whether you sue me or not. The expectations I think are different because, in our generation, it was okay not to be the best at school because you could do something else. Most of the kids that weren't really good at school were really into something else. I mean, even in our – I think in our class, everybody went to college except for one or two kids. And the two that didn't, I think one joined the Army, and one, I think, joined the family's electrician business. That's my recollection, my vague recollection that, from yeah, way back Right. Yeah, so I mean out of 180 kids, two didn't go to college, but admittedly were selected to school. Um, but the the two that didn't had career paths. I mean, they had other stuff. They knew they weren't going to be lighting up the world as students or didn't want to. They just chose not to. There were other valuable paths. Now everybody thinks you got to go through college and you got to do this. And I think so many kids would learn better critical thinking if they actually had to do stuff they were good at and cared about. You know, I mean whether it's coding, whether it's you know, elect- electrical work, plumbing work, fixing cars, you know, doing law, basic, you know, I don't care, filing papers. I mean, stuff they care about, they would do better at critical thinking. They because they care about it. Most of these kids couldn't give two figs about Anna Karenina. I didn't at the time. I just had to get through it to to get through AP English. I mean, it's just one of those things. I could do it because I happen to be. That's one of the things I'm good at is language and verbal stuff, but Not that you know it from these podcasts or my writing, but it's, it's put the kids in situations where they could succeed and don't set them up to fail. And it's a fair once they've had an opportunity. I mean, you don't want to fail a kid who's in grade school. You want to allow them to have the chance to succeed. But once it becomes apparent, like for me, I was never a math person. You can ask Gort, he'll tell you all day long. I'm not a math person. I could do geometry because it was language based. And, and it's just, it's, it's one of those things where let's switch topics here. I feel like switching topics. Let's switch to vacation. So what did you do on vacation, Gordon, that you can tell us about? That I can tell us about? I through a small third world country and, <laughs> and installed a new government, but I can't tell you about that.
0: Right, right. Um, typically, we go to a South Carolina beach. And with my oldest going to college in the South as well, we decided we didn't want to, and she's moving into an apartment, so we didn't want to do the trip up and down the East Coast uh, four legs or two trips, however you want to count it in within like, I don't know, a two week time window or three week time window. So Mrs. Gorty turned to me and said, find a find someplace cool for us to go and we'll fly. Uh, and I looked around the Caribbean and August is it's kind of low season because they claim that it's hot um, and hot to them is 85 degrees. So we ended up going to Puerto Rico and had a, lovely time we did get some rain here and there but we hiked in a rainforest to a set of waterfalls we uh went snorkeling for a full day the snorkeling was interesting in that we were first supposed to go out to this further island that's supposed to be really great for snorkeling but there was a tropical depression off the off the coast and the part of the atlantic we would have to cross between the two islands was too rough uh, we would be in it for like half an hour and he said everyone on the boat would be throwing up. So we went to a closer one, and still the chop the chop that we had to go through it was like it was this power catamaran boat that we were on, and we were like bouncing along, bouncing off the seats. It was it was some serious chop to go through. It was kind of cool. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was nice and relaxing for the immediate family. So you got to hike in El Yunque. El Yunque. yes. That's what
1: it is, right? It's the only, I think it's the only national park rainforest, tropical rainforest in the United States. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Well, my family went down to the Undisclosed location. This time there was no brownie, brownie or brownie involved <laughs> or brownies. There was no brownies or. No know, code brown. No code brown. Well, not in the car, which is a good thing. So we went down there. We actually had a great time. It was one of the nicest times we've had at uh, the Undisclosed Del Marva location in quite some time. The weather was perfect. It was 77 to 80 degrees most of the time we were there, which is insane for that part of the country. I mean, last summer we were there, I think it was 100, 101, and it was probably 105 to 110 on the beach. You couldn't go up to the beach for more than like an hour. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, we were able to sit on the beach, you know, for two straight days until it started raining and rained five inches, six hours, because that's the way they roll. But so that's what we did. And that was fun. And now we've got our oldest going back to the Jesuit college in the, in the Midwest. And he'll be heading out to England second semester next year. So what did you do for your vacation, Mandy?
2: Well, I I hate to be a sad sack, but we didn't do anything this year, unfortunately. My son had um, summer school because of marching our uh, regular band um, requirements to graduate, either after two years of foreign language or two years of fine arts. And because he, like most of his buddies, were taking band are also taking Spanish at the same time, there's not enough hours in the upcoming school year that started today to take the government civics class for a semester and the um, economics class he had to take. So him and all his buddies wound up taking over the summer to get ahead. Okay. The drawback was they couldn't take the AP versions. They had to take the regular versions. But... I told him, I said, trust me, it's not going to save me a lot of money if you can take a half a semester. Just do what you got to do. And then my wife had surgery, so, so it was, like, it was yeah, a long summer at home.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you didn't get to stab any hobos or anything this summer? or like, Oh,
2: I didn't say that.
1: Okay, well, that's good because Chicago is full of them, and they need some stabbing.
2: Oh, you can find them anywhere. Oh, summertime brings them out. They, they bloom. It's, it's fantastic.
1: That's great. You know, they're just like the flowers that bloom in the spring, and then you just cut them down. Let a 1,000 flower – let a 1,000 hobos bloom. And then you can oh. cut them up, vivisect them, and steal their organs and sell them to the Chinese for a top dollar.
2: They roam our right. wh- across the, the the boulevard. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs>
1: it's perfect. It's it's a it's a it's a big moneymaker. Anyway, so I think I think we're done with this this episode. We'll have to come up with a different one. I need to do something lighter.
2: Obey it, me.